Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Alexander Vitkin on the line. Alexander, how are you? I'm good, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. You do some amazing work and have had a, a pretty interesting background. So why don't you share for a couple of moments uh, your background and the things that you're working on today? Yeah, my background is I used to be a consultant agency owner, and now uh, that was many years ago. So after a while, I started uh, getting interest in helping people build their own agencies. So now I've been doing that for seven years already. This is not one of those like, uh, oh, this guy is a coach and he just started. No, it's not that like that at all. been doing it before it got popular. <laughs> so um, we're like a results-based uh, mentorship uh, platform that I run with, with um, almost two dozen mentors right now and hundreds of members. So and we help agency owners get multi-million-dollar valuations essentially. Uh, and start like legitimate agencies. That's some awesome work. Now, what you know, what drove you to launch this type of endeavor? Because you know, it, it's definitely unique in a way, and because uh, a lot of times when mm. you know people are quote unquote coaches, you know, they're yeah. you know they're doing the one off, you know, one on one type of thing, or maybe one going into an organization. But uh, yeah. you you took a completely more broad approach, but very narrow as far as agencies are concerned. So you know, what yep. motivated you to do that? Yeah. I, I, I specifically am not a coach, so I run a platform with, uh, we do some coaching occasionally when it's necessary. It's just a tool, just like so many other things are tools. We're essentially business owners uh, that help our peers, other business owners in, in the same industry, uh, get to our level. That's what we do. It's 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 not, it sounds like uh, I'm trying to call it something else than coaching, but it really isn't coaching. It, it really is a different approach to the whole um, online education system, right? So, um, sorry, what was the original question? I got, I got the sidelined a little bit with my own no, that, story there. No, that, no, it's fine. It was just, uh, you know, he, he kind of answered it already where, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, know you looked at the situation where there's all of yeah. these different businesses that yeah. need, you know, their peers to help guide them or mentor them for their own mm. growth. So it, in a way, it sounds like it's a community of different businesses that are helping each other mm. grow and 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 reach the levels that they probably wouldn't have been able to hit if they didn't have you know the guiding hands or the mentorship or the experiences of those that have mm. grown before them. Yeah, like just just for the people listening, what what you can get out of this is essentially imagine. If you had 200 people around you in a very coherent network online, right? You, you could you don't have to like work with me to do this or anything like that. I'm just saying, imagine that you had it. You had a, a, a group of people around you that are doing the same thing you're doing, and you're selflessly exchanging your best practices several times a week with everyone. Like let's say it's all executives of big companies. You exchange all your best practices every week, three hours a week, and um it's split up by topic. So imagine that. Wouldn't you get better at anything you're doing? Of course, right? So it's, it's called peer uh, learning in uh, traditional education. And uh, we do this in business essentially, right? So you could, you, you could apply this in your own business. 
uh, we certainly like kind of created the system in business education for agency owners, but it applies to almost anyone if they want to use such a system. You could apply this as uh, a culture building process in a company if you would want, right? But uh, what I, but as I said, what I really do is is just the agency stuff. We just focus on agencies because it just makes sense. Uh, because um, that's my background. It's my you know what I what my original business was. I love the format of it because again, it you're sharing best practices. Because what I've seen mm-hmm. in, in in many organizations, and even when you go to different types of business meetings, everybody puts on their best face and they say this is what we're doing, and but they don't necessarily share you know, how they're being successful. They're very, mm-hmm. they, they're very vague in the details where uh, it sounds like in this model, everyone's like, this is what I'm doing right down to the granular level oh, of yeah. how I'm able to do this. And people are going, wow, I didn't think of it that way. And they start doing it. And it's just, I love the, the basically the open book concept of it saying, this is how I do things, you know, behind the curtain, this is, all the things I use from right down to the tools that I use, you know, what type of software I'm using, how I, you know, even the scripts that I use to reach out to clients, all of those things. When you you share all of that information, everybody grows and it, and it steps away from the scarcity mentality and the competition mentality per se, because like, well, I don't know if I want to share this because it might hurt my business. And I'm of the one opinion of, there's more business available than any of us could possibly serve. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's so much need. It doesn't matter what type of industry. So you can't, you don't have to worry about losing competition. There's so much work. If everybody got all the work that they could possibly handle, it still wouldn't address all the needs. So mm-hmm. it's like everybody share their best resources and how they do things. And when they do that, all of a sudden, as a society and consumers, we all benefit from that because we're getting the best of the best time and time again, and it just makes such a big impact on everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there are books on how to implement this in existing companies. For example, you have books like um, Tribal Leadership and No Rules Rules, which is about Netflix and the culture inside Netflix. So th- this type of process, it works in a a very specific culture so you can't do this in large groups where there's all kinds of different um i should be careful what i say here but you should you should be you should be careful who you do this with essentially so you need a players you need people that are givers not just takers right you need all kinds of culture um points to be reached before you can introduce this in, in an organization right and in terms of um, building an agency like this, which is what we're really focusing our efforts on, um, any agency has a lot of steps. So as you learn from other agency owners how to build your own agency, get a lot of value, this culture uh, permeates into your own, own agency. And then you, you wouldn't accept employees, staff members, or freelancers to work for, who want to work for you who don't have the same mindset of giving, right? That goodwill needs to build up slowly over time. This takes a while, but once you have it, it's kind of, it has massive momentum and you want to really build it into your business, whatever you do when it comes to people. And most businesses require uh, teams, right? So agencies certainly usually require teams. 
Yeah, it's so important, and I, I like the analogy of it, it, it's a relationship, and just like mm-hmm. any relationship, it takes time to nurture and get uh, get comfortable with everybody. Um, but I, I like how you you framed it at the beginning when you said you got to be careful who you're working with because you know you you got to make sure there everybody's a giver, not just coming in and taking, and then off they go and you're like, oh, wait a minute, we didn't get any benefit out of that. And all of a sudden we've helped out an organization that's not really willing to help each other, which is definitely something you always have to be on the lookout. So in all of this work and all that, I'm assuming, like you said, we've we've talked about it a bit. It helps businesses scale up probably a lot faster than if they did it on their own. Yeah. Well, when um, we have people coming in that are uh, doing well already, for example, because it's, it's always interesting looking at people already doing well and have a certain way of doing things for several years. When they come to us, uh, they always say, I've always done things my own way. I've always done it this and this and this way. Um, and then we always check, are you sure that, you know, you're actually willing to learn from people? Because if you're an indiv- you know, if you're very individualistic, that's fine. But do you also want to learn from people? Do you also want to um, incorporate potentially better ideas and processes into your own business. And if they do, in, in, invariably what they tell us is, oh my God, it's so much faster. Like I literally spent two years figuring out stuff by myself before, whereas now I can f- just take a working process from an existing agency compared to three other processes from three other agencies that are larger than my agency. And then I can implement it in my own business and see uh, which one of the three works, usually two or the majority of them work essentially, right? And then it's a matter of what works a little bit better. And then you basically cannot get stuck for longer than a few days at a time, which is a huge change in business. Like the difference between getting stuck for months or years versus a few days. So that's what goes on when the processes work, right? So when you're focused on working processes. It's amazing work. And I'm assuming too, with these processes, knowing what you should be doing and what you should outsource is critically important. And you, you mentioned it before. It's like when you're using different companies to help you with certain types of tasks, you want to make sure that they're on the same page with you. So it's a smooth running machine and not jagged mm-hmm. edge type of thing. So um, how do you guys uh, guide through that? So in terms of outsourcing, you mean? So in terms of uh, working, yeah, uh, the, the several, there's several, um, different business models that are currently in use with regards to that because because essentially we build businesses, right? So you have to look at business models, not just the small processes. So th- essentially there's the, uh, you fill your list with um, delivery people and then you sell their time in blocks. That's one. It's like a big overview of how to do it. And then two is uh, you c- build partnerships with white label partners for everything which essentially means you don't need staff ever. Um, and three, you have your own in-house staff or freelancers. Actually, you can call it different methods, right? So three or four methods, that's how much we, how many we use. The way it works is uh, 98% of the time, it's all remote. Like we've been doing remote for forever. Since day one, since 2014, we've been doing everything remote. Um, and it's been going great because... I don't know, all the tools already existed back then. Like now everyone's starting to do it because they don't have a choice with, you know, COVID, but all the tools existed back then already. So we've been doing it for a while. It's a matter of using optimized processes to manage teams and to track their time 
and to have honest communication and the right types of meetings that are not just a waste of time, um, etc. Like I, my personal preferred method is to hire people who don't need any management. Like I don't like management or following up with people. I just want a dashboard with the KPIs on there and that's it. And, and it works so much better for me doing it that way. As long as I don't hire people who need babysitting, I can't stand that stuff. So that's my personal preference. I know people have other preferences. Um, if you have larger teams, perhaps that's not really a possible, then th you can compensate by having a leadership team in your company um, that incorporate these principles for you, right? And then they improve your processes for you at that point. But that's that. then you're talking about agencies that are doing multiple millions of dollars. Before that, you can't really afford those types of people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. And even though you're outsourcing, they're still a part of your mission and your team. And even if it's for a brief project or maybe for several projects, it makes things uh, move a lot smoother. So I want to segue over now to, and we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show, you know, things that you learned as you were building this business and, you know, other mm. work that you've done, you know, what, what were some of the mistakes that you made that you wish you would have known about uh, when you first started this endeavor? There are so many mistakes. It's, it's like almost drove me to build this business. That's how many mistakes I made, but um let me think what would be valuable for someone listening right now. It would be probably, I tried several things at the same time, but I would focus. I think everyone's, it's really fashionable right now with everyone. When I talk to almost any business owner or freelancer that is, hasn't grown too much yet, they'll make the same mistake. And that is they're trying three, four different business models and they have like a side hustle. They even have a part-time job sometimes. So, um, my whole thing when I work with people, even people that are not beginners, is what can we drop? What can we remove so that there is complete focus? And I mean, if you ever want to talk about burnouts and stress, if you don't want to have burnouts and stress, if you just focus on um, a single thing in terms of your work life and you can do it very efficiently in eight to 10 hours a day, five to six days a week, but not more, uh, that certainly helps with preventing problems like that, right? So what the benefit of that is your brain just starts working better. You, you don't solve problems by sitting there and like forcing yourself to solve the problem. You solve problems by having a life, right? Like I, I best ideas come in into your brain as I'm sure um, you, you, you must be, you must be telling people this all the time, right? The best ideas come into the brain by, by, by doing other stuff that works. So it's like, it applies to business more than anything else, in my opinion, because business is like a the ultra competitive sport more than almost anything else that I can imagine, I guess, apart from competitive sports. <laughs> so you see, so it's, it's more like, how do we, how do we create systems that work so well and uh, allow us to have balanced lives in a way where, uh, we can improve not just the business, but also the lifestyle at the same time without sacrificing the focus on business. It's weird, but it works. It does. I think, and we've seen the stats where, you know, people that are working crazy hours and they're not doing other things in life tend to hit a plateau or they, they it slows down the growth quite a bit where those that 
are yes, you know, they're dedicating some you know, considerable time to building their business, but they're also doing things in life that they like doing. Uh, that's outside of work, you know, either with family or just, you know, hobbies or activities that, you know, bring them, you know, joy and fulfillment. Those are the businesses that tend to have great sustainable growth over a period of time. And, you know, the, their focus is, you know, narrowed down. And it's one of those things, like you mentioned uh, a moment ago about, you know, people are, well, I'm going to try these five different things. And I'm also working part-time just to make sure I get some revenue while I'm trying mm-hmm. these different businesses, but they're watering down everything when they're trying mm-hmm. to do that. It, it, you'd be better off to pick a lane and, and, and go deep. And, and, mm. and it may not work. And you may have a business idea or a business that was either wrong timing or just wasn't the right fit or something like that. And I've had that in my career, you know, with businesses that I've launched and or co-launched. And, um, you know, the timing was bad or there was other circumstances in play that you know, made it not be what you know, we thought it would be, and you know we realized that, and and you know, we pulled you know pulled the uh, the parachute, and you know kind of you know exited that particular moment and strategy, but then you focus on other things, and there's still lessons to be learned, because in every endeavor that I've ever worked at, whether it was my own business or working for an organization, the tools and tips and expertise that I've gained over my life. I carry a lot of those tools with me in, in various things that I do. I don't think about them necessarily. And it's like, okay, the skill that I use this morning in collaboration with someone, yeah, I picked that skill up somewhere. I, I probably know where, but I don't think about it. It's just part of my DNA now. And that's why it, it's good to try things, but you need to narrow the focus a little bit because if you're looking at five different things, when opportunities come up, let's say an item number four, you're too busy looking at item number one and you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. So you need to focus and narrow it down and understand, you know, what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. And because if you don't, then you may not grow any of those. You'll have four or five small little things at best instead of, you know, maybe one big one that one big one could really set you up for long-term success, whatever your definition of success is. So if you're giving advice to an organization that's struggling, you know, an agency or things like that, what, what are some things you'd share with them, obviously to entice them to, to hop on board with, with the advising that your, your team does. Uh, but what, what are some things that you, you want them to look at and to think about? It, it it depends what you're struggling with, of course. But there's basically um, with an organization with with an agency, right? That has, let's say, they're doing half a million dollars in sales a year with a forty percent profit margin, and they're uh, they're running a tech agency, and they're selling fixed price projects. What we would look at is one: they're always going to be struggling with leads. Most of them are going to be saying stuff like, "Well." We're getting most of our leads for referrals, which is great because now that industry is exploding, right? But what they always want or sometimes need without wanting it is a consistent funnel in terms of lead generation. They need consistent sales calls. And 
they're running technical business, right? Is is IT's business, and they really they're not business focused. Usually, they think like business just comes in randomly and hope, hope for the best if we do good good enough job. They don't really focus on improving that and really building that as a machine. And here's the interesting thing about that: those types of business owners, the technical business owners, they usually end up being better at marketing and sales than the flashy Rolex people, you know? So be, that's because they build systems and automation instead of just trying to do it through flashy stuff and just relationship. Don't get me wrong. Relationships, relationships are great, but there's also consistent perfor- well-performing funnels when you're operating at uh, with clients that are uh, non-corporate, right? So with non-corporate consistent funnels that produce lots of leads, lots of sales calls, we'll get an agency from 30,000 to 200,000 in a matter of six to 18 months. So usually you talk about stuff like that. And then we look at um, what they're good at. Usually there's several categories. Sometimes they have staff in-house in like Toronto, Canada, for example which means it's a little bit pricey, but then they can get better clients that pay more because a lot of clients are looking for that. So probably you'll end up focusing on stuff like that. But if they have a very good hiring process for a very high quality developers, like I can tell you, for example, I work with some people who have developers, senior developers with great, perfect English. I'll tell you how much they pay them. It's, it's like in countries where just a good salary, but it's basically 500 Canadian dollars, for example. It's a full-time developer, 12 hours a day. That's how, that's how it works in those countries. So they, they have teams like that. What they should be doing is not trying to get the same clients as the Canadian company, right? What they should be doing, it could be Canadian company doing this, by the way, but I just mean the co- company with Canadian staff. What they can be doing is um, they can be selling the developer hours in bulk to other agencies, for example. And... That means they don't have to estimate project size or do like real project management. You just have people show up at work and you sell their time. And that's the business model. This company is doing hundreds of millions of dollars with that business model. Whereas if you look at um, certain other business models in the agency world, you're never going to get to hundred million dollars, for example. Right. So that, that being said, I don't actually recommend building an agency to, to that amount of money. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> so, um, you see, like, th- th- there's a whole approach depending on uh, their strengths and also their most urgent needs because y- you're not going to convince them to change their most urgent needs. You just need to fix it. It's usually lead generation. Uh, if it's something else, that's also fine, but usually it's lead generation, right? And then while they're doing that, kind of we drip in, oh, by the way, here's another thing you need. And when they realize they need all the other stuff, which they get anyway, like, we're not, like, upselling. You just get it anyway. Uh, when they get the other stuff, they realize that the other stuff is actually more valuable. Like the lead generation is kind of trivial if you have a good business. It, uh, most business owners don't understand that at a certain level. Now, when we talk to people that are doing above 200K per month, uh, usually it's hiring. It's like a totally different problem that they're dealing with. It's hiring, process creation. Uh, then it's more creating the uh, same way that you would create a funnel for lead generation. You can create a funnel for hiring with lots of automation. You could have hundreds of people go through the funnel with ad through ads, and then uh, fill in all kinds of surveys, do all kinds of fancy stuff, right? So th- there's different problems for different types of agencies. 
Um, it's just a matter of finding out what those are, right? It, it's a lot of communication, a lot of uh, consulting still in a way. Like, it's, it's do, do we do sales? I mean, I guess so, but it's more consulting and making sure people are going to get what they want before doing anything else. So that that's the most important thing. And I think it, 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 the vast majority of businesses, service businesses that I pay for myself, they don't really focus on that. They don't focus on making sure that someone's going to get value before they do the sale. <laughs> so they have a lot of failure, like a high failure rate with businesses, with their clients. So, um, we also talk to clients about our clients about that, right? So it's also something to work on causes imposter syndrome, like all kinds of stuff. There's, there's a very many interesting things to work on many, many interesting things. It's, it's definitely amazing work and you're definitely making society and businesses better by the work that you're doing. So Alexander, I've loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? They can go on uh, YouTube Dot com and then they can type in my name Alexander Vitkin. I think it's going to be in the title of the podcast. My name, right? Uh, thankfully, there's not that many people with my name, so it's going to be easy to find me. And then they can also go to businessmentor.com, which is the website. So uh, they could go to Facebook, but I think YouTube and the website is better. I'm also on LinkedIn. Is that a, is that is that what of course? Use? <laughs> yeah, occasionally. Yeah, I mean, I think YouTube, you know, other than Google, is probably the second largest search engine. So um, we'll definitely have all of those links in the show notes. So um, and I highly encourage people to check you out and look at all the work that you're doing. So Alexander, thank you again for your time today. Really appreciate you and and this awesome work you're doing. Thank you, Michael. And uh, yes, see you around. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.